boom, boom. Now recording. Me too. Yeah, I'm Craiging. Now recording. Oh, no. There it was. Yeah, <laughs> I guess it wasn't as big, but I felt like there was more to it than that. I figure I was like, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to think about telling him, let's do the count in. And you start, you burp right there. Yeah, so, get rid of it now. I'm good. All right. Five, four, Lollipop, three, two, one. And <laughs> here we are. Um, let's, yeah, five, let's try that again. Four, five, three, four, okay. three, <laughs> three <laughs> two, two, one. Oh my God. <laughs> Kill him, man. <laughs> I'm consummating your profession as a lizardum. Okay. Five, four, three, two, one. Hello and welcome oh to my our gosh. podcast. There oh. <laughs> After all that. Never has it been so hard to record a single podcast. <laughs> single intro to a single podcast, no less. Not even. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Some of the people you work with. Yeah. Really you know, questionable. I, I, I'll tell you, either they don't show up, mm-hmm. like one podcast, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they're completely and utterly disruptive. Oh my god, inept. Uh, to the extreme. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you put up uh, with them. I, I don't either. It's sort of a, I guess, take what you can get kind of setup. Yeah. Beggars can't be... Don't have a... Beggars must be beggars is choosers. This has the very common saying goes. Yeah, beggars can't have must be choosers of... The people. Correct. <laughs> I remember. You know, the I words remember. In there <laughs> might be scrambled up a little bit, but the saying's in there. I remember my dad saying those words to me immediately after the car accident. Took quite a blow to the head, as I recall. Yeah, I remember my dad saying, "I'll be back for. I'll be back after I get the milk," and I'm still waiting for that milk. Beggars must be beggars is choosers. And he, he's still waiting for the good milk. It hasn't come in. One, one day he'll walk through that door and. The milk will be there. Probably yogurt by now. Spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> he, he's going to say he got turned around. and That's obviously a joke because I game with my dad every other week. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this is... Just I, inappropriately I dark humor. <laughs> Woo! People who actually have, have suffered stuff like this. And here I am making parody of it. Yeah. Woo! We're yeah. having fun. We're having fun. Well, I mean, if you think about it, that's one aspect of role-playing that is beneficial, is sort of working out some of your demons, some of your trauma, but maybe don't front-end load it into the game, I guess. Maybe. Maybe. And and maybe don't bother your DM or GM incessantly mm-hmm. and constantly change your character idea when you say you're not going to do that, and mm-hmm. when you're told no on something explicitly, don't keep asking if you can do that. I'm pretty sure we've covered that at some point. Yeah, there's a lot of things you cannot do. And yet, here we are. Still, <laughs> they still keep happening. <laughs> yep, yep. Definitely not talk about any real-life stuff at all. Nope. No, I'm no. definitely not frustrated. <sighs> definitely not! No, definitely Okay, not. am I still recording? Mm. I always feel, feel like if I navigate away and I yep. can't see it recording, something's going to go wrong. I'm going to come back to it one day, and it's going to not be there, and it's going to be like, ha not only is this not recorded, I deleted all the other recordings. Oh, you know, worst case scenario, you will have recorded a podcast with me. Oof. Oh, man. Ha, uh, yeah. You finish this. I'm going to go lie down. Hi, I'm I Simi. Welcome tired. to the podcast, and <laughs> with me, as always, is my co-host, King Monkey.
I don't know who I am. I don't know what's going on. Whatever. What are we talking? What are we doing here? What's going on? Well, what's going on? Uh, well, what's going on is we are a couple of gentlemen of character, and we are here to uh, provide some right. level of illuminate. No, you're right. It didn't. I said it and I meant it as a joke, <laughs> but I was like, no, no one's gonna buy yeah. that. Not it's remote. like wow. You saw where I was going, that's, but it's like, no, nah, that just doesn't work. That's like Seinfeld's observational humor. It's like, yeah, yeah, airplane food. Okay, we all know it. I get it. It's not funny. What's the deal with player characters? <laughs> What's the deal with RPGs? Oh, <laughs> laugh track. Uh... Oh, 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 sorry. We just got, uh, we do, just got canceled. Do we get because... demonetized? <laughs> Yeah, with all our money got taken away. All that so lucrative podcasting we to, money. We we definitely need to get some extra money flowing. So I think I'm going to add a new segment in yep. here called uh, It's a Verb's Random Verb of the Week. Hey, there's a there's a username, It's a Verb. Maybe we could sucker that person like, in paying our bills. I feel like if we name drop them, they will feel obligated to send us money. So, yeah, that's reasonable. Um, here's how I think this is going to work. I'm going to give you a random verb will using be, a random verb Will generator. it be random, though? Will it be random or will it be af- algorithmically it's, determined with a degree? It's as of, random yeah, okay. as possible without me doing any more work than I have to. There you go. That that's Those are words I can get behind. I appreciate that. The, the place I'm going to has the word random at least six times in my view. I'm yeah. pretty sure that counts enough. All right. That's, so I don't care to do any I'm more fact checking, so we're verb, good. And you're going to do something with it. I don't care what. So I'm going to click the button. Yeah. I'm going to click it again because I hate that one. That one works. <laughs> It's not random at all. You just completely, completely sabotaged any degree of credibility we had. It's extra random because I hit the button twice. Oh, okay. Well, if you you explain it like that, I'm gullible enough to go along with it. You know what? I'm going to hit it again just in case. Triple random. It's triple random. I'm worried now people are going to question my integrity. So I'm just going to hit it Heaven forfend. Just in case. Oh, perfect. Okay. We wouldn't want people to think we're frauds. Our fourthly generated random verb, we are four layers deep in our randomness this week. Quadrandom. Is replaced. (laughs) (laughs) Simi thought long and hard about replacing his podcast host before realizing that it would entail any degree of effort whatsoever. (laughs) All right. Well, we are going to move on. (laughs) After that little spotlight onto your own situation. All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm, not, I'm laughing, not <laughs> crying. <laughs> uh, what have we been talking about, King Monkey? Since you definitely totally remember every time. I'll have you know that I have a photographic memory, and I definitely remember looking at photos last time we were talking, so I'm pretty sure we were just looking at image galleries of fantasy landscapes. Does that sound... Uh, that sounds right, yeah. right? Um, but it might have been something maybe a little more specific, maybe like the landscape of a person. Mm, oh, mm, brought it right back yeah. around. You see how I did that? Very deep. That's, that's talent right there. Just like, just like my smooth segue into the random verb of the week, I am on fire. Like, almost literally. Thankfully, I've got a jug of water right next to me that's half ice because I didn't forget it in the freezer for two days. Fair enough. At all. That's why you get paid the biggest bucks. <laughs> yep. I definitely get the higher percentage of our profits from this podcast. That you do. Uh, I concede that. <laughs> you definitely earn I more from this than I do. You get 25%. That's how all this works, I think. I got to talk to my manager. Yep. Uh, we can talk after. Oh, there's the problem right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm your manager. Co-host and, and manager. Yeah. And I'm your financial advisor. 
Although, in fact, I need you to invest in more of this semi stock. I also noticed that you're the caterer too, and I gotta say, I love these little sandwiches that you've made. I don't know what's in them, but they are delightful. Yes, I definitely made them. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that you definitely didn't just find sandwiches that I'm taking credit for. Nope, that's not what happened at all. It's <laughs> uh, still better than the gas station sushi I supplied last time. So. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not a. I I'm try. not. I don't have a problem with gas station food, but sushi's where I draw the line. That's a reasonable stance to take. <laughs> we were talking no, about characters, yes. Yes. Characters. Yes. yes. Been, Although I, I'm pretty I, sure we, I'm pretty sure we finished the topic. Yep. Yep. Fourth week in a row, we've definitely finished the topic. It's definitely done. <laughs> what else? What else could there possibly be to say? Um, we've talked about how and why mm. to make a character. We've talked about what story and mechanical considerations to use when making a character. Right. Last time. We talked about how you connect them to the world and the setting that's being presented, that they're being made for. Right. You know, what sort of things to consider, what to innovate on your own, how to work with a DM on stuff like that. And then this time, we're going to talk about getting even more detailed with your character and building out their supporting cast. What did you call it? You called it something else, too. No, supporting cast. You'd called it Rogue's Gallery. So I think you yeah, confused thought... you confused me for you again. So that's that's no. What I, it is. I thought I threw another. I thought I threw something else out there. Could be. I, you know, I don't pay I don't attention remember. to what you say. So I don't know why you're asking yeah, that's right. me. <laughs> that's that's on you. <laughs> I definitely did the DM thing of you know I heard it. It's my idea now. <laughs> but yeah, so we're talking about your supporting cast and what sort of things you can add and what sort of things you might want to be careful of. Sure. And before we continue on, I want you to reevaluate. <laughs> how close you are to your mic because something is either brushing against it or you're breathing super heavy I'm not sure what's going on but i am definitely getting a lot of <sighs> let me poke this well, i don't even know if you heard that i did <laughs> okay let me look at my waveform um, quiet quiet Shh. yeah i don't know can you hear that i can't hear it. i can't see anything showing up on the monitor well nothing right now it's just usually it's like okay Right before you talk or right in the middle of a sentence? Somewhere. Yeah, the headset has like a, a flexi microphone thing, so it sometimes, okay. I don't know, I sometimes move it out of the way so you don't hear me sniffle or take a drink, and then I put it back, and I guess I'm not putting it back in the same position. Yeah, okay. Life's tough all over. I, I didn't know if it was something, I didn't yeah. know if there was something different about the setup. Give you a second to, to be aware of it, because Lord knows I don't want to do any more work than I have to. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Well, okay. Yeah. So, 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 what is some, what is something that you think about when you're going in to make a character? Um, well, in you know, generally speaking, game. generally speaking, more often than not, I tend to be the DM. I rarely am a player. So, as okay. a DM, it's a little bit of a different thing because the supporting cast is, you know, fifty percent of Everyone. what you do. Um, but it, it did make me think. It did make me think back to one of the first times that I had consciously used that as a DM. Um, but this would have been back uh, playing Heroes Unlimited with the Ninjas and Super Spies rules from Palladium. Um, my friend was playing a Batman-type character, and offhand, he had created a formidable thug that his Batman-type character had dealt with early on in his career. He had created it as an offhand reference to one of his early missions that he'd barely survived because of his own inexperience, uh, eagerness. You, you get the idea, right? Right. Um, I had later determined, or later decided, 
he was at a stage in the game when his character was having a sort of crisis of faith in his abilities. Uh, things were going bad and he was only making them worse. And he was kind of gravitating towards his old stomping grounds. And I had him meet his former adversary by the name of Thorsten. He met Thorsten again for the, you know, the first time in a decade. So by this time, he's more experienced. He knows what he's doing. But by that time, his adversary had developed some kind of superhuman strength. Like, he always was strong, but now he was, like, almost Hulk strong. So, it was, like, a chance for him to overcome that initial doubt that always lingered with him. But, you know, the challenge level stepped up to his abilities today. Um, And he had a really good time with that. It was the first time that I, as a DM, had actively decided to... Uh, dig into someone's backstory with the characters that they used in order to it was an it was like an interlude but it it supplemented the plot well you know Mm -hmm. and Mm it's sort of thematically you know you're doubting yourself so you go back to where it begins you do that thing that you failed before you make that hurdle that you never could make before and now you have the confidence to go on and in this case fight the demons who are controlling the mob you know as you do yeah I think it's I think it's an often overlooked aspect of making a character mm-hmm. because we, we've talked about this I I'm pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> over the last you know three weeks that we've totally been doing this consecutively yes, for sure <laughs> which I distinctly re- recall but your character doesn't exist in a vacuum they don't become who they mm-hmm. are at the beginning of the story in a vacuum they don't you know awaken to their abilities in a vacuum they they don't train in a vacuum there's always other people around even if they don't train them Mm -hmm. maybe it's someone that your character watched and like okay then i'm gonna go home and try that myself until i get it right and then they go watch again or you know it's a mentor or it's someone who used to beat them up or you know it's the mom and dad who were always super busy and so you learn the skills to try and impress them but by the time you got it they were gone or whatever something like there's any number of choices for sure and and a perfect example like you don't even have to flesh it super all the way out even having general strokes can help one of my players is an elf who told me that they grew up hating elves because their family hated elves yeah and so they grew up just fascinated by humans like ended up dating and having kids with multiple humans because they're in their 130s or whatever yeah and so from that, it was like, okay, well, tell me about your family because we got we played for a little bit. I got an idea for a story bit I wanted to start injecting. So I got the – I started – he's like, I don't know. It was a big-ish family. She was the youngest. I said, okay, here's my ideas. I'm thinking, you know, mom is this, dad is this. Do you think two, three brothers and sisters would be fine or would more or less? And they're like, oh, no, that would be perfect. Six siblings above me. I'd be the seventh. And I and even split of boys and girls would be perfect. And I'm like, okay, cool. So we developed that. And yeah. I didn't even tell him all the pieces when I started introducing. He's like, this is perfect. This is exactly how I envision it. So you can build off of even small things. And that For started sure. with, I grew up in a family that hated humans. And so I grew up hating elves because I loved humans. That's where it started. Mm-hmm. And then we even delved into a little bit about, you know, their kids. How many kids did you end up having? How many husbands have you had? Right. And I gave her a chance to try and kill them. You know, just, you know, normal GM stuff. As one does. Yeah. <laughs> As you do to try and get them to, you know, question their reality mm-hmm. and morality and, you know, lots of fun stuff. For sure. But yes, including even just hints of stuff is very good for you as a player 
to kind of be able to track where your character came from and how they got where they are. Yeah. And also good for the DM because sometimes it can also be used to connect you into the story more. If you're having, if you're kind of drifting mm-hmm. and you need something to drive you towards a story beat, like, hey, well, maybe, you know, you do this kind of check. Oh, you notice that, you know, there are signs that you recognize and nobody else recognizes this, but you do because it's, it was always used by your mentor. Yeah. And that's odd. Maybe you should look into that more. So giving players a chate, or not a chance, a reason to engage more fully with the plot. Yeah. Is always good. For sure. It's, um, it's sort of like the connective tissue that serves to make your character part of the world, part of the story. Uh, just it, you know, so it's player buy in. It's reason for your player to invest more energy into their character, right? Yeah. And, and, and the, the moment they have more buy in, they're going to want to do more with it. Yeah. They're going to want to be more part of it. it. I didn't, I didn't engage this player with family stuff. To have them go, well, I hate all this. Can we be done with it? Yeah. No, they were like, well, this is great. Or uh, I don't know what to choose here because I, I know that they're not real, but they look real mm-hmm. and I, they feel real. So I can't bring myself to do it this way. I, I, I basically got my player to sacrifice themselves instead of these people they were told weren't really their husbands. They just looked like them. Right. And I ended up driving them to the point where they're like, you know what? Kill my family because they're insane. And that was an awesome moment because they went from, well, I don't care about my family, but I don't want to kill them too. Yeah. I- I'm done with it. Let's let's end it. That's a cool little arc when you experience it and you get to watch the player change that in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Now, I know a lot uh, – there are systems that specifically include rules for adding this sort of thing to your character. Um, mm-hmm. Like, for example, I, uh, I play werewolf uh, – the white wolf. What? The You've white never wolf talked person. about that before. Yeah, it's true. I, I'm just coming out with it now. I figured you should know. Yeah. You, you um, played Werewolf the Masquerade. Yeah, I know. I've heard about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so they've got rules specifically for allies, contacts, influence, mentor. You know, they've got these as attributes that are mechanically rollable to some extent. Um, mm-hmm. So I know that games like that give you the option. Um, very blatantly how you can include that in the game. Uh, But there are other systems that don't necessarily include that on such an obvious level. Um, Yeah. But, you know, don't let the, don't let the lack of the rules for that discourage you from, from that. You know, if you're a mechanically inclined character, just do remember that there's, you know, all of this sort of peripheral stuff to your character that can be included, even if it's not in the rule set, because to avoid to, to not do it just uh, again it, do, it it leaves your character disconnected and that's going to leave you disconnected so every little character that you can think of to add in there you can discard them you can include them you can modify them and then once the game is set it's just that extra little detail that makes the tapestry if you will right definitely like what the, i think is interesting yeah. about Systems that include things like contacts or where you have, you know, things where you can say, oh, well, I know a guy or this person is my hated enemy. And you can yeah. do interact with that mechanic to get benefits or to have complications arise. One of the things I find interesting is when there's a mechanic in the system, generally that's there. So that way, if you don't want to or aren't comfortable with 
the deeper role playing. Like if you if you're getting into trying to persuade someone something, yeah, and you want to use a persuade or a diplomacy role, if you're not comfortable saying what you would say, that's totally fine. You have the mechanics there to fill that gap in for you. Just yeah. like no one's going to sit there and say, "Hey, go grab this sword and actually have a fight with the beholder," because I yeah. need to see if you can actually win this fight. Why don't, that- you, why don't you go climb a cliff for me and tell me how it worked out for you? Exactly. So, so when a system has mechanics in there, it can actually be a reason for you to engage less in some ways. I can see that. Not, not, and it's not. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It just, it's an interesting dichotomy. Like in Pathfinder and D and D, you mm-hmm. don't have these mechanics that are like I know people, unless it's something you ta- you add on later. There's not like a specific skill for it. You don't have an necessarily. Al- you don't have an allies. Uh, ability that you can roll on to see if your contact at the newspaper knows about the the whatever, whatever, right? Right. And so if you want to have this supporting cast like we're talking about, Mm -hmm. that is all on you to come up with or all on you to give your DM, GM ideas on how to do that. It's all it's all made up and the, you know, the points don't matter. But if you have a game that has something like that in there, you can kind of brush over it a little more generally because there are numbers in place that say this is what it means. Mm-hmm. My ment- Doesn't mean you have <laughs> to do any My mentor is a rating of three. Yeah, he exactly. provides me with training up to three. I have contact mentor at three. That means they can do these things for me. Yeah. So you don't have to necessarily build them out. Okay, oh well, they, they trained at this dojo and then I found them as they were wandering after they'd been kicked out. You don't have to fill all this in. You can, but if you don't want to, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting yeah, thing sure. to think about because I, I've had the to start looking. The game opens the door and so you, re- you just brush past knowing that you've looked in without stopping to explore. I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's the same thing like in, in Pathfinder or D&D. You have your stats. You can describe – if you have a huge you know strength stat and a, a small deck stat – Generally, people are going to describe them as burly and muscly. Yeah. And if you have the opposite, you're going to describe them as lithe and, and quick. But you don't have to. That's you adding in your own thing. Yeah. You can have someone very strong that doesn't look like they're super strong. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And you can have someone super lithe who actually looks like they're muscle bound. You can have either or. You're adding your own flavor into that. But you don't have to. You can say, well, they look like a person with 16 strength. Cool. Yeah. Everyone's going to have their own idea of what that is. Yeah. How does he look? Mm, 16 strength. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Which I think that is why I, when you have like an appearance stat in games, mm-hmm. I I now am more, ooh, no, no. Yeah. We should never have a stat for that because that should be something you decide as a player, not numerically. Yeah, I, and, I'm inclined to it. And appearance, and appearance also, unless the game only has one race, well, and even if it only has one race... Mm-hmm. Not everyone's going to find that person yeah. that rating attractive. Almost as though there's a degree of subjectivity to beauty. Hmm. Hmm. Snip. <laughs> That's just where it'll cut back in. Just <laughs> out of nowhere. Snip. <laughs> no explanations needed or given. All right. So let's talk specifically about kind of the the three four. Eh, we'll go three. Sure. The three categories of supporting members. You can have your friends and family. Yeah. You can have your Delivery mentor, people. trainer, inspiration. And then you inspiration, can have your, I guess is the right. Yeah. And then you can have and your, you guidance have your counselor. antagonist. 
Wait, what? And then you have your antagonist. See, I'm I'm reading from a different playbook here. Yeah. Well, that's not the game we're playing. <laughs> no, that <laughs> we're you are playing a game with playbooks. Yeah, generally <laughs> I think you got it right. Yeah, so you've got you've got your your loved ones, mm-hmm. you've got your inspiration, and you have your antagonists. Okay. Is there any as a DM or a GM, yep. is there any mix that you definitely want? Do you like want one of each? Do you want more of one than another? Do you want only one in a certain one? Do you have a as you think about it, your ideal player, is there any mix there that you definitely want from every player? You know if what, you had an idea. You know what I I can't say that I have an ideal mix because it would be contingent on the character being described because not every character is going to have one ally one enemy one and and two of the inspirations you know what i mean it's going Mm -hmm. to depend on the character that's being created maybe the person has lived uh so long away from family and friends that they've lost touch with them and all they've known is strife and hardship as they gallivant across the universe uh, you know, in their spell jamming ship, dealing with threats and enemies on all sides at all time, that person's probably going to have more enemies than loved ones. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas if your character is uh, fresh-faced out of the Academy of Magic at uh, Pig Bubos, then Mr. Perry Jotter is going to be, you know, mostly surrounded by allies and inspirations with maybe an enemy or two to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think it's, I think it's a lot of it's going to depend on the character. Um, and the other thing is, sometimes as a DM, I'm not even going to include them because it doesn't necessarily. As a DM, don't feel that you are required to include all elements of everyone's backstory because then your plot's going to be overstuffed. Uh, Definitely, you know. But it, it it's like having it's just background material for the character you know you can think back on your time with uncle bert on the apple orchard uh you know and that character is not necessarily going to be involved in the story but the lessons that you learned from uncle bert might be something that come to mind and it could be no more than that you know yeah well and one thing i will say is when you get stuff from a player if it almost lines up with something that you were already planning in the plot yep. hot swapping is Perfect for that. I I had a I was running an an adventure path pre-written, and I had a player just happen to pick a race of someone they're going to run into later. Okay, and he talked about how he left his family, and so this person was kind of isolated on their own. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't this be cool? And so I started talking to him a little more about, you know, hey, what do you think about your family? How many, you know, Mm -hmm. people you have here and there? And you know, did you did any of them connect with you? And then I just kind of took the person that was there and I didn't change anything about them from the written adventure. Yeah. I just made them you add one related to this other person. Yeah. You yeah. just add a line. And then is cousin when two. you walk in, yeah, when you walk into the room, you know, you all see someone who looks exactly like this player and you recognize her. Yeah. And like the whole table goes silent for a few seconds and suddenly he's got more buy-in and it's more interesting yeah. than oh yeah it's just some random person we're all gonna kill her and move on to the next person that we're all gonna kill because then all of a sudden he's like well i need to take her down but i don't want to kill her yes so yeah, it, yeah sure. you whenever you can if there's if they give you something that's close like a hot swap or a slight detour is definitely encouraged because it inherently will help your players have more buy-in when they're backgrounds the things that they've created are part of the world as you're presenting it yeah because your character 
matters because your character is now more intimately related to the plot. You know, the plot becomes more personal. You become invested in it. I think in general, as a as a DM myself, mm-hmm. I would want one descriptor from each of the three categories. So you don't have to tell me about one person specifically. Yeah. But I want to know what your relationship with your friends and family is. Like, have yeah. you seen them recently? Or do you have a lot of close friends? Do you only trust one person? Like, what is that like? And then your inspiration, what what gave you the go to do what you're doing now? What yeah. drove you there? What why why did you decide to pick things up this way? What what is your impetus for moving forward? Mm-hmm. And then your antagonist doesn't even have to be a person. What Could be a thing or a, yeah. Yeah. What what thing is working against you? in your view or is hunting you like, and and any of those can be connected. Like you can have a good relationship with your family, mm-hmm. but your best friend and you had a hard falling out. And now they are, they, they are, have set their life on ruining yours. What? Like then all of a sudden you've got a best friend yeah. also as an ant- antagonist. And maybe you know about it. Maybe you don't, maybe you still think they're your bestie, but you, you know, you turn a corner and they steeple their fingers together and <laughs> What you know? You yeah, know. and you know what? I'm also thinking is some of these characters don't even need to be alive. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you could be haunted by the memory of a person that you betrayed. Uh, uh, you know, perhaps intentionally or unintentionally in your younger years, uh, mm-hmm. haunted perhaps literally, depending on the system. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can also be describing characters who are no longer able to affect the plot actively. Oh, definitely. And another thing that's underlooked, mm-hmm. overlooked. Underused, overlooked? I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Is, Another thing that's looked is, under. <laughs> is just because the, the PCs presented a certain way yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that's the full truth. The uh, unreliable narrator. You have you have one view of this character, but it turns out... Yeah. Well, and this is what I did with the with the, the elf who... The, the self-hating elf. Mm-hmm. Is is I, I was pushing them through all these things that confirmed their bias... Mm-hmm. And then I started to show them that, oh, wait, you were just a child. You saw this as more negative than maybe it actually was. Reinforced by your parents' words. Yeah, your parents were maybe harsh and aloof, and you didn't get a lot of time with them. Yeah. And the few times you saw them was also, you know, for state dinners, so so to speak. Yeah. And they were, you know, haughty because they lived for 300 years, and this little... 20 year old human was coming in and be like, I think you need to rethink this. And they're like, when you have lived uh, 10 times as long, maybe you'll understand. And to a child who is fascinated by humans, Mm -hmm. that seems condescending. So you run away, never see your family again. And you just live with this idea that elves are feel superior to everyone. And it was a fun moment to, to have them kind of sit there and just not know what to say as they have this realization that maybe Maybe they remember incorrectly. Maybe yeah. they, they've they never really given elves another chance. Maybe they've assumed they had all the right information. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily mean that what I presented was right. I'm presenting another side that could be true. They have to decide what they're willing to accept. Maybe they'll never know. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of fun because it gives the player, again, another thing to buy into. It shows them that you care a little bit about what they're giving you to work with. Yeah, yeah. And... It allows them to sort of decide what they're ready to believe and what they want to be part of the story. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah. if they dive into, oh yeah, definitely, I, I definitely was wrong about this, 
then that's a different story than, uh, no, my family was horrible. I know this. And then the third option, just, I don't know what's real anymore. I Maybe everything I thought was wrong. Mm-hmm. And they have to, I mean, those are three different, very different storylines that all can still move the same general direction. Yeah. No, it works. Yeah. I mean, the, and so much is flexible too. Like mm-hmm. you can, to an extent, it can change even as the game goes on. You know, you can add more details uh, as long as you don't contradict and end up creating retcons like your DC comics or something. Um, you know, just... <laughs> keep that in mind but yeah i mean these stories are, are they're mutable and that's kind of the joy of them it's nothing set in stone until it until it is right yeah yeah so just I, make a supporting cast of some sort even mm-hmm. if it's just in general strokes yeah and th- that also helps you build your character out more fully because you have to think okay yes i've said their personality is standoffish but why like if they're standoffish how do they interact with their family do they make friends? Do they avoid people? Why, why is it like that? Yeah. You know, how do they get to this point? Who trained them? You, you say they were trained by a great master. Okay, who was that great master? Why did they take this standoffish person who rejects everyone? What what drove them to that point? And, you know, you say their master's gone or was, you know, killed. Mm-hmm. Who? If they're that great, who was that much that much better? And why yeah. do you think you can succeed where your master didn't? Like, it gives you more doors to open and walk through or to think about while your DM presents options for you. And if you think about it, just last week in our beloved Adventure Assemble segment, we actually did that when we came up with Igor the Corgi um, and ended up coming up with the character of the globetrotting gallivant who whose pet the Igor originally was. You know, just mm. as a matter of character creation, we ended up coming up with uh, a supporting cast member who's no longer with us, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it's really as simple as that. Uh, and the more you can do, the more fully realized your own character will be. Yeah, it's just that simple. It's super simple. You have... Roll on one no random chart, at all. you're done. <laughs> And and again, I, I will I will always go to bat for random charts because you can come up with so much out of a random chart that yeah. you wouldn't think of otherwise, or that would take you down a path you wouldn't normally go down. Yeah, you don't have to follow point. anything you roll up exactly. I mean, Lord knows we rarely follow it exactly. <laughs> the day we do, you'll know that we've we've got kind of run into a problem. Well, and it'll be very boring. Yeah, like we 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 model. I think. Everything that we're suggesting you guys do, because we're willing to go back and redo some of the thoughts we had. Oh, what if it's not this? What if it's this instead? Because mm-hmm. now we got this new information, until and this is adve- how we tie it together. Right, until the adventure begins. So I mean, Yeah, once the adventure begins, we kind of yeah. run with what we've said. So yeah, absolutely, random tables. If you're, if you're challenged, if you're not coming up with ideas for who could, you know, who could be related to your uh, itinerant Jedi, then hit a random table of some kind and use that as your seed and see what comes from there. There are backstory description generators you can use. Okay. I mean, and it doesn't even have to just be um, uh, RPG random generators because there are plenty of writing, like plot prompt generators and character prompt generators. Uh, I mean, if you're visually inclined, heck, you could use uh, something like Art Breeder to come up with a random Mm -hmm. portrait of a person and then figure out what that character's face tells you about who or what they are and come up with a character around that. Yeah. I mean, you find what works for you. Try several things. but have something 
Mm-hmm. Bring something more than just your singular isolationist character because it'll make the story better for you. Yeah. It'll make the story better for the other players and it'll give the GM more to work with as they're telling helping you tell this story. Now, on the flip side of everything that we're suggesting here, um in my uh D&D game that I'm playing every second Friday on Zoom, um it's a halfling racial campaign. My character is the odd one out. My character is the one who's not from the village locally, who's not from mm. the nearby monastery. Uh, she's the one who was raised by the Fae, and she's uh, uh, the Outlander uh, background. So specific to the region, she is not related to any of these people, and she doesn't have any connections. But she's still related to the same type of people, so she's got her backstory of characters um way way away and they have no impact whatsoever on the plot i've kind of used this as an opportunity this is why she's trying to connect with the characters that are there Mm. because she now no longer has those old connections so even though we're saying create a cast of characters recognizing that they may not always be involved in the plot if you find that the cast of characters you create isn't irrelevant to the story or if you straight up don't create a cast of characters Use that as a motivation for your character to want to get to know the ones around them. Uh, Like you had said in a previous podcast, find the reason that your character says yes. So even if you're doing that, please create the background characters that have influenced your life to this point. Because even if they are not involved in the plot, the lessons that they have imparted upon you somehow or other still will. Yeah, even if you act... The complete opposite, we, we kind of, we, mm-hmm. we joked about this before we started recording, but even if you're the exact opposite of your entire family yep. and you reject them completely and go somewhere else mm-hmm. and try to avoid them 100%, they still have an effect on you and your character and the way your character is going to react and do things. Right, because... You're still going to be exactly. different because of them. Yeah. You still ha- bristle at the, the things that you're elder brother did to just to piss you off or you still carry the guilt from you know your aunt who constantly labeled her emotional issues on you or whatever you know those things follow you you're you you still kind of can't believe that people can have healthy relationships with their sister when your only experience up to now has been that they carried around a snakehead whip and beat you with it like are just you, for random. Sorry, are you talking about your real life issues with your sister again, with her snakehead whip? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. My, my one of my two younger, much <laughs> much younger sisters always used to do that when I was a child. Yeah. <laughs> when when you were just a young half elf. <laughs> when I was just a young elf mm-hmm. that had been out in the sun too long. funny that summer with that you spend a lot of time in the sun is when a lot of these formative experiences seem to have happened (laughs) i'm sure that's not specifically relevant but no not at all i'm not not talking about anything specifically at all any any resemblance to anything any characters copyrighted or or (laughs) is totally by accident Mm -hmm. and don't sue me because i have no money (laughs) <laughs> You're welcome to what I got. Yeah, yeah. It's a negative I a, balance. Got a bag of trash that needs to go out. You can have that. <laughs> if you want a portion of my debt, by all means. Oh, I can have all of it. I will give it to you. <laughs> How generous of you! <laughs> <laughs> you can have all of my negative dollars. 
<laughs> All right. Anything else we want to discuss as far as making player characters and the various pieces that go into that? Mm, no. Okay. Well, moving on. So, with all that out of the way, it's time for Adventure Assemble! Adventures Assemble right now. Adventure! Good luck. I I can't tell if your internet was being glitchy or if that was just your your mic being like this is I, I can't let him hear I can't pass this no, along. I must save him from the horror. Because the last time you did something like that, mm-hmm. it all came through on the recording. I just didn't hear most of it until I went to edit it. Oh, God. What is this? What is <laughs> yeah. this? I was like, oh, I think I, I know was... the general shape. Oh, nope. nope. I did. No. I had no clue what he was doing. I was not prepared. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> You're looking to it. I'm looking. Yeah. <laughs> so, You're on the lookout for it. The story thus far has been rather straightforward. I mean, how 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 much more clear and cookie-cutter does it get? I mean, it's, almost too tropey. It's pretty much standard, uh, yeah, standard fantasy stuff. We've moved into the future from where our previous adventures have taken place. Those have all been fairly linear in mm-hmm. scope. We haven't really taken a ton of time. This is at least a year or more into the future. And we revisit the crater caused by the falling satellite. If right. you will recall, that falling satellite was trying to infect everyone with some sort of technological virus. And Correct. it was putting everyone under control. And it was Edric the Bard who essentially convinced them to shut down and await further orders. Right. For some reason, things have started happening again. We don't know what that reason is. Perhaps further orders well, were received. Perhaps it was more people finding it mm-hmm. and trying to do research on it accidentally reacting to something i'm sure if we, if we knew the motivation of the satellite we might understand why it's happening now but we still don't well i think we think fig- i think we figured out for sure the one thing we know for sure is that weird wizard elf that weird wizard name dude crowmanite crowmanite i clearly remember <laughs> he's the one who pulled it down he's the one who pulled it out of the sky trying to do something with it and because his whole thing is he just yeah. he tries to wizards, help man. but makes more wizards. makes bigger problems but so around this crater where gravity is weird in the center, this satellite's in the center, a shanty town of researchers. I always call it a shanty town. It's more like a Wild West town, town. Around, yeah. around the rim of this, this crater. And you have research yeah. outposts, trading just stations, a bunch of, caravans. Yeah, like, yeah, like a Wild West thing. Just a bunch of cowboys rimming the entire impact site. And one of the things that is happening that it's going to intersect with our PCs mm is that a null band is coming looking for their fallen comrade, who is another person from the past. Do you remember the name? Goran Hachismo, the Baker Barbarian. Half Noel, exactly. half Noel. <laughs> I do half remember Noel, that. Half Noel, all Baker. 
<laughs> She's all cookie maker. And our PCs are getting sent in mm-hmm. to escort this celestial book of Aristos, trying to deliver it to the dwarven section of this frontier town around the rim. Right. Hired and by a Firbolg or contacted or yeah, a, a Firbolg druid mm-hmm. who Edis. is, yeah, Edis. And they, I don't remember. Oh, yeah, that's right. It was another, it was your, uh, your Sorcerer of Wetness that contacted her and was like, hey, this is something that's important. Yeah. I don't remember how that all worked out. I don't remember something his name. to do with him having um, something to do with him having merged with the ocean. Yeah, it was because he 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 merged partly with the ocean, and that expanded his consciousness. And in that moment, with the dragon, he made connections he wouldn't otherwise have been able to. And it was the it was Edis who was able to reach out to him, and he's like, "Hey, this is important. We needs to go here." And so, enter stage left. Mm-hmm. Ingra, the dwarf sorceress apprentice, who is apprentice to someone in this village. Yeah. And Igor, and and it's spelled, just so you're all aware, E-G-O-R. I, I only recall having spoken it aloud <laughs> and not spelling it, so. Well, I, I wrote it down for you, so there you go. I guess that makes it um, official then. <laughs> I, I'm looking at it in print right here. It's got to be spelled Oh, well, if way. it's printed on the internet. <laughs> I also see that King Monkety is seven feet tall. Seven so feet. Obviously, tall. That you're right. If one is true, clearly the other is true. So. If A equals true and C equals true, then A equals C, B. which is true. <laughs> <laughs> and and Igor, the corgi, the awakened corgi, um, and they've. I don't remember how we determined how they were connected at some point, but I don't remember now. I remember that uh, Igor belonged to an adventurer, uh, or purported adventurer, who had finally been called right. on his frauds and challenged to actually visit the uh, an area of danger, went in towards the crash site, and that person was never seen again, uh, and Igor uh, was elevated to human level of consciousness. I am going to assume that the adventurer to whom Igor belonged, had probably traveled through the dwarven area of the sh- of the uh, the frontier town around the impact site. It's very likely yeah, that he they... would have uh, come into contact with uh, with the dwarves. Yeah, maybe they maybe they they were both on the same transport towards this crater. I feel like we said at some point that they met up at the crater, but I don't know. You know what? Well, how I'm about, not afraid. How about to Igor? Give up what we've... How about Igor? And, you know, newly awakened, still frightened and unsure what to do, retraced his steps, found his way back to the dwarven uh, encampment where he came across looking for scents that were familiar. Looking for scents. Oh, my God. <laughs> with Looking with his eye nose. Yeah. Looking with his eye nose for scents that were familiar, came across Ingra, uh, whom as a puppy or a dog, uh, he liked. You know, just a person that they, that he liked, and now is seeking solace with a a, a scent that is recognizable. I I do think that we had at least talked about him posing as her familiar for like to more easily yeah. be able to move around. Yeah, because he has and perhaps- he has knowledge about the um, is it the book or was it the slab? Did he know about Did he know about either? I don't remember. I feel like that would be in our notes, wouldn't it? <laughs> Our extensive notes from I don't know. definitely you, week to week. Have you met us? <laughs> the odds that we <laughs> may have missed out on a detail or two are 
it's not entirely implausible. Uh, you know what? That sounds completely implausible to me. Fair enough. Hmm. Okay, so so here's what we've got. We've got a band of gnolls heading towards the crater, mm-hmm. and we've got a plot to deliver this book. Right. And we also we also said that uh, Ver- Varial? Variant? Ver- Varial, the elf? Yeah, he was either here or on his way here with the slab. Right. Because the one thing that we found out last time is that when you use the slab and the book together, there's a quote in there that will reveal an artificial life form. I think that's where our crux is going to be. I think that's where everything's going to come together. Probably trying to use it to determine the purpose of the of the the fallen star. Does that make sense? Yeah. So so there's an elf there's an elf encampment and there's a dwarf encampment, <clears throat> and they're kind of working at cross purpose. Maybe oh here we go. Oh. Maybe maybe Igor was the familiar the the pet of an elf. And so he doesn't have specific memories. He has a generalized when 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 Ingra is like, I just came to de- deliver this book, and it's supposed to go with some slab that triggers something. Ingra's like, slab. I a remember slab, a, a slab. slab. So the adventure that there, he belonged to was an elf. I okay. think that works out. Yeah, that will that will give us an easy connection there to bring the book and the slab together, because then Igor just has to kind of <laughs> sniff out where the mm-hmm. slab is now, right? Because they're supposed to work together some in some way. And so he's trying to sniff uh, out the per- the uh, the location of the slab, which he has vague mm-hmm. animal-like rip memories of, alongside right. the dwarf who knows about the book, and the timeline is the gnolls. They have to do it before the gnolls arrive, because it's possible that the gnolls will create chaos. Yes. Well, and and if they don't if they don't have them together by then, something bad might happen, or. Mm-hmm. There's there's vague there's vague predictions of disaster. So you, and so vague we're predictions of disaster. The gnolls the themselves are an impen- are, are a sort of Damocles. There's probably tensions rising between the elves and dwarfs. I would assume. Right, because because a dwarf that sneaks in to get in contact with the slab that no one's supposed to know about mm-hmm. is not a good thing. And then if all that goes well, revealing that there's this artificial life that came from the satellite is. Also going to potentially be chaos. So I right. think we've got, got our, a, our, a pretty good set of, of steps here. So, I mean, the first step, obviously, mm-hmm. in any of this, is to figure out where the slab is. So I think that's only natural that our Igor mm-hmm. does that. So I, using oh, a, oh. a die, will probably roll to determine the yes, degree of success. but we're not going to use a d20 this week. <gasps> oh, no. We're going to use a d100. Oh my! Well, I gotta think. That means things are now five times more intense. <laughs> Should I? <laughs> you gonna keep on, the twenty? Are you gonna keep the <laughs> duplicated numbers? Wait, I don't know why I did it that way. <laughs> oh, I see. One to twenty is failure. Eleven to forty is failure, but not total. <laughs> what happens between eleven and twenty? Shut up. <laughs> That's what. And, and and I definitely need to do this, right? <laughs> do it. Yeah. Wait, my numbers are off. Oh, because there's four, not five, like I thought. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I I can number. Numbers is hard. I number in the numbers. <laughs> it seems Jeez, like... Why didn't you do this beforehand, King Monkey? It seems like something I clearly should have thought of. Yeah, this is clearly something that you definitely would have done on your own without me. Man, look at that formatting. It's, it's in my job. me nuts. Oh my gosh. Yeah, look at that. There's a capital oh, S there. There's a lowercase s. You Like, nothing's consistent. We won't even talk about commas or the lack thereof. 
Oh, there you go. There you go. <laughs> Capitalize the L in failure. <laughs> in order to just to encapsulate the intent behind that word. All right. <sighs> All right. So our new scale adjusted for inflation mm -hmm. is 1 through 25. Failure. Failure. Mm -hmm. 26 through 50. Failure, but failure, not total. But not total. Mm -hmm. 51 through 75. So there's no duplication there. <laughs> for a change. You cannot also, you cannot fail, but not total and succeed, but at a cost at the same time. Like we have, like what, three times now? A successful <laughs> failure. <laughs> 51 through 75, success at a cost. Mm -hmm. And 76 mm -hmm. through 100 Lean into it. is just success. Mm, no, no, no. There's a capital there. Lean into it. Yeah, I, that's what I did. Success. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is a G-rated podcast, so I will stop at this point. <laughs> oh, oh, but it was okay to do it when it was me saying it. I see. Yeah. I see. Oh, yeah. I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. For sure, this is all specific to you. <laughs> Are you familiar with Mel Brooks's saying, you know, tragedy is when I cut myself shaving. Comedy is when you fall into an open sewer and die. So I'm applying Brooksian <laughs> logic here. <laughs> I think I think I, on each time we do this now, I want to do a different rolling mechanic. <laughs> so I think next time we'll do roll and keep. Consistently inconsistent. <laughs> I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, that's the one place we've been super consistent. I think that needs to change. <laughs> Why should it be any different? <laughs> we, we, have, we are breaking tradition by being consistent. We need to be inconsistent to be consistent. Do you mean breaking tradition as in ruining it? Yeah. No, no, as in, like, everything that we do except for this has been inconsistent. Ah. So it's it's kind of silly for us to be consistent here. It's not it's not on brand. I'll, I'll give it that. And then I think one of these times we'll have a different rolling mechanism for each scenario we run into. Mm. One of them is going to be a deck of cards. <laughs> Drop it and see which one is face up closest to your left foot. Oh, you laugh, but I have a couple <laughs> deck of card mechanics that I was looking at. <laughs> I'm not surprised. All right. So... Why don't you roll that D-Hondo for me? I will roll my obsidian dice, because if you had dice that were made of obsidian, you'd roll them all the time too, wouldn't you? 17. So that's not great. In fact, it's bad. a hundred out of a hundred? Yeah, 17 out of a hundred. is it's, it's a low number. It's not a good number. Yeah, that's, that's, that's very much a failure. Well, so we all go home, we're done. Goodbye. Yep, couldn't find it. <laughs> Thanks for joining us this evening, ladies and gentlemen. We have been so I think what that that means for us we couldn't find is the slab? we can kind of we zero in that it's in the elf area, but we can't find specifically where it is. We know we can't ask about it, mm -hmm. but maybe we start raising suspicion because you know we got a little girl and a dog, and the, the girls talking to the dog pretty regularly. Like you know, hey, are you, are you sure mm -hmm. you can't find it? What's going on? And he's just like, oh, too many other scents around. All these elves smell the same. You know, normal stuff that you would talk to with a dog. Yeah, for sure. And it's raising suspicion because, I mean, if the slab's here, then there's at least some of the bad faction here, even if, if even if they're not all of the bad faction. Perhaps the dog just wants to attend fancy dress parties and really can't be bothered with all this adventure stuff. I mean, he wants so... to be a better person, but <laughs> there are so many fuzzy people here, and I'm leaning as heavily into my as into this character random prompt that I as I can. <laughs> the one that you were like, I think this is too too it's, far. I need to yeah. need to pull back from this. That 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 one. That's, that's the, the one, one that I'm leaning into. fully into. 
This is the one that I'm now oh, diving I'm always looking into for slabs. It's enough about the slabs. Why can't we go to a cocktail party? They have those tiny little weenies. I'm a tiny May- little dog. Maybe. I want a tiny I mean, little weenie. Your former owner, master, friend was someone who took all the fame and all the credit and probably all the celebrations, mm-hmm. but didn't actually do the thing. So you might be used to like indulging in things. Yeah. Like it's just you get around some of this stuff and elves being the hoity toity people that they are in our setting, mm-hmm. maybe they have a lot of those rich smelling things that you're used to. And so it, it keeps distracting you. Yeah. Well, and Ingra's trying to keep you on track, but it's failing. Yeah. So I think Igor is definitely too distractible and it's it also to some extent too upset and is trying to cover that with uh, you know just give me parties don't let me deal with the with the the trauma of what i've been through and mm-hmm. is just being positively unhelpful so so it kind of sounds like what's happening here is not just the the distraction part but also like being around this is bringing up like bringing the memories kind of closer together the the animal and the yeah Human level memories are kind of merging a little closer. And I don't think he's fully reconciled that yet. This is still a relatively recent experience. This is all new to him. Memories of this nature are new. All right. So what is the next thing you think that drives this forward? Are we noticed by the wrong person? Is the Knoll group get a lot closer as we spend too much time? What do you think happens next? I think at this point, the Knolls are closer. And so the elves are elevating their guard. Part of elevating mm-hmm. their guard means that they have caught wind of what Ingra and Igor are up to. Okay, so they know there are people searching around. They've caught enough of the conversation to understand they're looking for the slab. I think they also recognize the dog, because if this was a, the dog oh. of an elf of some renown, why okay. Why is, we never had came up with a name for him, why is Balmo the, the explorer's dog? <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. You're not just going to run past that. What name did you just give this elf? Uh, Balmo. B-A-L-M-O. Because we had Brockna in the past, so Balmo just came to mind, and I don't care to think any further on it. So Balmo is, is, is. Is Balmo short for something? It's actually the extended version of Balma. Oh, I was going to say, is it short for bowel movement? Nope. Because <laughs> he was a piece of crap? <laughs> You're very clever. Now shut up. <laughs> I'm just going to type that down. <laughs> it's okay. I'll give you a moment. I'll give you a moment. Oh. Do you suppose it's because we're mature DMs? That's why people listen to us? I'm sure that's exactly the reason. Oh, my God. Oh man. Okay. So So they recognize Balmo's dog and they've caught wind that the the dwarf is asking a lot of questions, leaning something towards the slab. Meanwhile, those gnolls are getting ever closer. The elves are going to basically try and apprehend Ingra and uh Igor. So that's your role. Okay. So they they recognize that they have no reason to be here. Mm-hmm. And there's something suspicious. They don't necessarily know why. Yeah. They're suspicious. They just know it's suspicious. Okay. So am I rolling to evade this in well, some how, way? Or am I rolling to... How, what am I rolling for? They're on our trail. So how? what is Ingra's thought process? Is she going to try to evade okay. or is she going to try and convince them? Whatever she's going to do, you're going to roll. Yep. Okay. So I'll roll and then we can figure out how that plays out. 
What kind of dice are you rolling, Simmy? Uh, I'm rolling the clickable kind. What color are the <laughs> clickable dice? What color is your they font? Are... <laughs> Black. Oh. Actually, the clickable dice are, are pink. Okay. Because I'm using the Google dice roller. Oh, okay. So I roll a zero and then a four. So well, that's another failure. I think Ingra's. Oh I think her since she's an apprentice. Yep. I think her instinct is to try and disguise herself, use to rely on the magic because that's what she's real focused on right now. Yeah. And and like all apprentice magicians, like or anything, mm-hmm. your first instinct is to use the thing you use all the time. Right. So she's going to try and use magic to cover that. So tell me how that plays out. She's trying to get away and she's trying to do it using magic. Without that realizing fits. that the elves in this place are, they are like spying is a way of life. Every second person mm-hmm. is basically a, an elven. Every second elf is basically a spy. They are trained from an early age to see through illusions or to track, mm-hmm. uh, to, to point out and notice people who are behaving suspiciously um they're many of them are equipped with the ability to detect magic mm-hmm. so doing everything by the book the way she was taught ingra is basically following the absolute guideline that the elves were provided with this is how you determine when there is an enemy agent in your camp she's yeah. set off all the alarms <laughs> yes exactly and so it's, now it's some an area totally and entirely dedicated to detecting exactly what she's been taught is the basics. And then that's the problem. It's the basics. This is not the yeah. basic the course. This is the advanced course where she, you know, she's dealing with the experts now. Maybe that <laughs> yeah, would have been fine if she were going with the gnolls. Then all the illusionary tricks that she's doing, that's fine. But the elves, that's two steps above. And she really just not, is not cut out yet. So they are captured then is what we're kind of going with here, right? I believe so. The elves yeah, because they, they, yeah. they raise suspicion, and then they fail trying to get away from people hunting them down, so they have to be captured at this point, right? So they are taken, they are taken to the local um, expert in the area, trying to figure out what, why are they asking about the slab? Why, why in this area are you asking about the slab? How do you know it's around here? And who's going to be asking those questions? Probably Varial. I would think that Varial, our our resident douche, would would be the one doing that. He's, Hold on, he's, I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> probably <laughs> let me, not. Let me take two. Boop. I would think that would be Varial, our resident evil elf guy who's been in all these things up until now. He's certainly the subject matter expert in this area. He is mm-hmm. keyed into people who are asking about the slab and wanting to know, A, why are you asking about the slab here? Why do you think it's here in this area? And what do you know about the slab? And I think... Is he going to find out about... Is he going to find about, find out about the book now? Well, here's what I think. I think he got grievously injured in the confrontation with the dragon. We we kind of mm-hmm. said that, but said we're not sure exactly how. Right. Like, we'll see how that all re- works out later. And I think he has actually... In that injury, I think part of his face got hurt. Like, he lost an eye. And I think what he did, like, he just kind of has got start slowly been spiraling crazier and crazier in his obsession. Mm-hmm. And that might be the effects of this half-tuned object. And so he's actually managed to get a chunk of the slab and implanted it in his missing eye. 
Yeah, and it I was going to say enti- sort of- I was going to say entire side of the head, but I was actually oh. thinking the same thing. Basically, a big old yeah. chunk of his head got destroyed or blasted out or eroded away. Well, and maybe that's what's happened. He puts that piece in there thinking it'll give him some better ability to perceive this slab, but instead it's slowly changing him. And so half of his head maybe is looking like stone now, but it started with just this piece that he was like, no, I I need to see deeper. And trying to mimic what the dragon had with the magic eyes, yeah. but trying to do it through this specific thing. But I think with that craziness that comes with that warping, also comes a little bit of a perception, and he can he quickly picks out. Uh, there's a very crucial piece of thing right around here, and when the this girl and the dog are brought forward, immediately gets the book, and I think that's not good. <laughs> that's not great, Bob. Yeah. <laughs> so now, how do we deal? How do we deal with a problem like Varial? Well, we've got we've got another thing. The the gnolls are coming through, and we've got this artificial being that is also around. And I feel like the artificial being would be drawn to something powerful. So is in the elf <gasps> encampment somewhere. Yeah, it's in Igor. Igor was mutated by it. That was an infection by the techno organic virus. It's been a it's been a passenger on the dog. Oh. So so maybe this isn't even the reason things have been so weird for Igor is because Igor isn't the original dog. It's actually an AI that it's like, it basically well, implanted itself and replicated the dog's memory patterns in order to use that as a starting point. Yeah, it, it well it even maybe it even It thinks it is. Maybe Balmo and the Corgi both got captured and instead of trying to impersonate a person they were like, well, the the dog from the memories we're seeing, the dog will be easier yep. and we'll be able to gather information. People will interact with it in a different way. They just didn't quite get it right. So they got a little bit too much human in there. And so yep. you end up with a super smart dog as a sleeper agent. Okay. I like this. Okay. So I think when Varial recognizes what the book is and starts to try and use it, it's, it's going to activate latent programming in the Corgi. You mean... Because he has the stone part of the slab in him and using the book, going back to our previous episode, we dis- uh, we discover that once a specific famous quote is analyzed, mm-hmm. a character is revealed as an artificial life form. He has the slab in him. He has the book on him now. That's going to reveal that Igor is the artificial life form. Yes. And I think the way it ends up being revealed is sort of the Igor side gets... Starts to get overwritten. Subsumed by the programming from the star. I think your role here is, Do you does Igor become fully subsumed in this artificial programming and react differently than if maybe he holds on to part of his quote-unquote humanity and it merges to become something different, or rejects it entirely and becomes entirely a dog and reacts differently? I think that's what I think that's our role here. Okay, like how so much failure and how much artificial stays. So by degrees, failure means that Igor is gone and now it's the AI, whereas mm-hmm. complete success means that Igor maintains control with the faculties enhanced by the AI. Yes, becomes a complete person on their own, free of control. Maybe eventually with some ability to peacefully interact with the satellite in a way no one else can, but we're kind of going to see the degrees of how this works out. 85. And I think, you know what? 85. I was going to 
I was going to even say, maybe we just run it, the percentage you roll is how much is still Igor at the end. We can do it either way. Like, there can still be some latent programming in there, but he has full control, or we can just say it's all Igor now. Well, I think at this point, you know what? I want to throw a complete swerve into the game here. Uh-oh. Okay. As if the ego, as if the corgi wasn't enough. <laughs> yeah, that's new for you. Throwing a, throwing a twist into things? Oh, man. How am I going to ever survive? We're changing up tactics. Now, success is that the AI has taken control and is, is now attempting to retrieve the slab of malediction. Okay. It's been traveling along with the book, uh, sort of quietly, passively as a passenger. But now mm-hmm. we're taking the success from sort of the adversary's point of view. We've done a changeover. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can get behind that. And it makes sense story-wise, because the first time this satellite tried to do something, it was thwarted by magic. So then mm-hmm. it sends out an agent to understand what's going on. It sees magic has huge effects in this world. Uh, this is a big source of magic. Maybe I should take that. And that could be what I need to get my in. And it's, it's success. Basically, it is it is armed, if you will, with the techno-organic mm-hmm. virus, which it is now deployed on Vario. And yeah, I was going to say, maybe it doesn't go for the actual slab. It goes for Vario because it's a fusion already that maybe it can use to its own ends. The book itself, or sorry, the slab is too alien to the to the to the AI to to understand yet. But the humanoid and too much to take from this little dog. But the humanoid, the humanoids, it's 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 deciphered them pretty well. It took apart Balmo's mind to understand how well or how an elf functions on a neurologic mm-hmm. level. And now it's using that on Varial. And that was an 85. Mm. So with complete, almost complete success, Igor is now essentially in control of or has possessed and is a hive mind with Varial. What if, yeah, well, okay, so is, is Igor the Corgi still a thing or does it subsume completely into Varial? Like mixing with it, or does it just kind of send the artificial essence into Varial to kind of rewrite him in a way? I we end think up with that the conflict. I think that it's more like a vir- uh, computer virus in that it's replicated itself. Okay, so, so it's, it, re- it's it maintained a little bit of that ability mm-hmm. from the first iteration we saw. Yeah, but it's it's more limited and it's more controlled. So it just kind of targetly target drops this into Varial. So when they're captured by okay. the elves, the AI uses this as an opportunity to basically gain the upper hand. And now yeah. the AI, again, we don't know its motivation. The AI mm-hmm. now has control of the slab, or at least a portion of it. And you can bet yeah, it's, the, probably, the varial slab. it's probably using whatever means of telecommunication it has at its, at its control to relay that to its sort of central mainframe or what have you. So okay. that information okay. is now instantly known, but they don't have the book yet. And so I think that's the next part of your role. Okay. Is now that Ingra sees that the dog is not the dog that she recognized, even not the dog that she grew to know over the course of this adventure, but is in fact something mm-hmm. else, and now has control of the enemy and the enemy's weapon, as she's been sort of led to believe. And now mm-hmm. she knows that she's the next target. Because she right, because you can't have well, and you can't have witnesses to something like this. It's not going to be useful if there's someone mm-hmm. out there that knows that P 
people are being taken over and that this corgi isn't what it seems to be. So now, what does Ingrid do? Keeping in mind that the gnolls are still getting ever closer. Right. And I think I think the gnolls are approaching near where the elf camp is. Okay. Like I think I think they're approaching this center portion that happens to be between the dwarf and the elf camp. Right. But it's edging more towards the elf side. Okay. Now, Ingra, I think I go back and forth because I, on the one hand, being an apprentice, I think mm-hmm. she would have grown to like this corgi and she's horrified by this. But, you know, would it be an anime moment where she thinks, oh, no, I can reach him. I can and save him. So am I, is she trying to use her magic and influence to bring out the friendly corgi persona again? Igor or Chan, is she just no. Trying to, <laughs> or is she just trying to get the book and get away? Because... Those are very different roles. (laughs) Those are very different roles. Does she think that she has a chance of succeeding? Or is this purely survival? Fear kicks in and now she has to to leave. She has to get herself out of there. I think if she hadn't failed so spectacularly trying to use her magic to hide, she would trust it a little more. But Mm -hmm. I think that has shaken her enough that she just needs to get away and get back to her master. Because it's, she's way out of her depth. Okay. And this thing needs to get away from these people because obviously people want it for different things and it shouldn't be around people that want it like this. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, she's just going to try and go away. She wants to get away. She wants to fly away. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I don't know if that, that's a, a positive or negative laugh. <laughs> that is a 26 failure but not total do you think she's captured but has a has a chance to send off a message well it's either yeah either that or she manages to get the book away but is herself captured and subverted she's trying to flee and at that moment the gnolls descend on the elven encampment in force and with fury and there is a huge chaotic melee that erupts in the ensuing fracas she is able to pass on the book to one of the gnolls yes and and let them know that this has to be taken away from the elves before she herself is caught or killed and maybe she catches she she kind of hears a little bit about what they're crying about you know they they've been had no communication from the camps and so they just kind of rampage in you know, I know they're here. Wait, blah, 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 blah. And, mm-hmm. and she hears, you know, Goran Hachismo's recipes. And she goes, it's the secret recipe book. And one of them takes it and the Knoll band retreats. And then she is captured. Yes. So Whether they don't even know it's the not, book of Aristos. They think it's a recipe book. Well, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> and it makes sense because it's encoded. And, yeah. you know, Goran Hachismo wouldn't just want their secrets out there for anyone. This is critically secure information. <laughs> you don't just let perfect cookie recipes <laughs> willy nilly be flung about. No, for sure. I mean, tell me that is not 100% Goran Hachismo. <laughs> After having hung around with Chromanite? Yeah. <laughs> So I think, yeah, the Knoll, and they're not going to be far away. They kind of rampage in, find out that the person they're looking for is not around, but they get this thing they think is a prize, and so they retreat a bit. And now we have everyone on alert. We have a missing dwarf apprentice. We have an infiltration of an artificial being, for, you know. With unknown purposes. With unknown purposes. And we now have the subversion of Varial. 
who already already had his own plans that we didn't know about, mm-hmm. and now he's been <gasps> that also means controlled the, further. That also means the AI knows Varial's plans. That's true. So the they I know think, what the elves are up to. I think our our next thing has to pick up right here. I think you're right. I think we have to figure out what happens next after this because this is sort of a tipping point. We maybe we are getting to the end of our first big arc in Adventure Assemble, and we didn't even know it. Yeah. <laughs> we're certainly we certainly feel like we're cliffhanging right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because I I was wondering how the the Noel band would fig- factor in, and I kept thinking, okay, if we have a good couple successes here, mm-hmm. maybe we'll be able to get away, intercept them, and and Something. pull them onto one side or the other. Yeah. But no, the way we we were just rolling stupendously horrible. <laughs> yeah. Except for 20- the, except for the one yeah. success, which I decided <laughs> would be the success for because if you think yeah. about it, it's a success from the character that I'm playing's perspective, and it just so happens that the character that I'm playing is not the character I'm playing. <laughs> yeah, the character you were playing, you didn't even know was infiltrating somehow. No. Like, you didn't. They were such good infiltrators that you didn't even know until yeah, the moment Even of. the player behind the character was not aware that they, in fact, were the threat all along. Which, hilariously, is just a perfect accidental thing that we did that feeds perfectly into our month-long <laughs> series. <laughs> like, there you go. We... I really wish we'd planned that because that would have been hilarious and awesome. Instead, I'm sure, it's just... <laughs> I'm sure anything we planned probably would have felt a bit more played out and boring. We certainly wouldn't have had an awakened Corgi as one of the pro-slash-antagonists. <laughs> as a ganist, right? A ganist. Just a ganist. general purpose ganist. An omniganist. Ganist. An omniganist. <laughs> well... I think that's going to about wrap it up for us. You got anything else you want to add, King Monkey? Specifically, no. But generally? Generally, not really. But specifically, no. But specifically, <laughs> no. Specifically, no. Generally, eh, whatever. But specifically, no. I could take it or leave it. <laughs> well, then I guess we done. We done. You done. Get out of here. Turn off the podcast. Go outside. Just go outside. If you're outside, go back in. Then go outside. It's pee time, not you and me time. It's time to urinate.